646, my name is Dawson McManus. I'm super excited because I finally was able to wrangle Melissa Payne in here <laughs> to hang out for a little bit and shoot the breeze about tunes and touring and a new album coming out, Darker Than You Are Dark. It's good to finally have you here, dude. Yeah, this is great. thanks for having me. Every time I walk in the music store, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have to set that up and I can't. So, yeah, we got on our phones and did our technology and yeah. set a date. Uh, which is nice. I didn't even know you could do that. So yeah. thank you for letting me know because I'm so bad with the phone tech. It's I know how to use my recording software. Same. And that's about it outside of that. I'm a bit of a doof. I'm bad so. with calendars and phone stuff, so yeah. you could imagine my life. Yeah. <laughs> Probably hectic. Yeah, it's a little scattered. Yeah. Scattered sometimes. Sometimes. Make it through You still them. get a lot of shit done, though. I do. Yeah, I try to. Yeah. You just got back from a tour, right? Um, I did just three days in Nashville with Matt Mace. We were down for Americana Fest. That's awesome. It was and good? Yeah. Before that, I was doing a theater out at Fourth Line. All summer That's long, right. so I didn't gig this summer. I did. I was dived in deep to the theater world, so it's pretty cool. cool. Now, were you acting? Were you like a pit musician? What were you doing? I was acting, so my character, it was like set in the 1930s, and my name was like Audrey Barstow, and I played fiddle and guitar, and I was like fighting for like women's rights. So it was a really cool, oh, cool. role. Like So I would go into the, the picket scenes, and I was like leading... Yeah, these rallies and stuff. And it's it's all like a true story. So oh, like cool. right down from my house is where this pretend character, Audrey, would have worked at the Bonner Mill. So oh, neat. it was kind of cool, like relatable to like my grandma who worked at like some mills when she was growing up. And yeah, it was really cool storyline. That's awesome. So yeah. is this an original work by somebody that was local? Yeah, this is uh, Ian McLaughlin and um, Robert Winslow um, wrote it and produced it. Oh, right Yeah, on. so really cool. Fourth Line, if you've never been, it's it's magical. It's a pretty cool place. Is we had the like, outdoor theater? Yes, we okay. had like live horses <clears throat> on site and live wow. chickens. And they have like some equity actor, actors that come in from Toronto. So I was intimidated, but they were really good to me. And yeah, I did a lot better than I thought I would. Right on. Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like anybody that is able to get good at one thing if they focus hard enough, they can get good at just about anything. Yeah, and the performing part of acting, it's a lot like music. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm a different persona when I'm on stage. So it's yeah. the same when you're you're acting on stage. You just have to remember lines instead of, you know, music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a, I agree totally. A lot of memorization work, a lot of putting on a character yeah. kind of thing. Learning yeah. how to say words because I'm from Ennismore. So like <laughs> unanimous, unanimous was like, unanimous. <laughs> Me and my partner would like rehearse it every night. I'm like, I'm going to nail it. And then she came to the show and I screwed it up right away when I looked at her. I'm like, unanimous. Let's make unanimous. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it was good. Right on. <laughs> cool. So actually talking about... Growing up in Ennismore, that was something that I wanted to kind of trace through is some of the back history because you're kind of tricky to research online. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got your, your .ca and you've got your Facebook thing and you also have the uh, the Instagram as well. Yeah, but like my Instagram. there's not a ton of bio information on it. Yeah, you kind of like got to dig through, I guess, like old articles from back when. But yeah, I'm from Ennismore. So, went to school in Ennismore and then high school at St. Peter's. Okay. So, school, did you go to, what, what was the 
there was a Catholic school in Ennismore too. Yeah, right? so St. Martin's is the only Martin's school there. So St. Martin's Elementary School. Yeah, so it was like a five-minute walk from my house in an hour oh. bus ride. <laughs> wow. So I would often bike ride to school every single day. But I have so many cousins and so many relatives. Like it was the best place to to grow up because you, yeah. you have this whole community kind yeah. of behind you. Like I have 48 first cousins and I like... So I'm sorry... Did you say 48? Yeah, so my mom comes from a family of 13 <laughs> kids. So, smokes. And a lot of them are from, like, state in Ennismore. Like, they might have moved away. But it's just a, a great place to raise your families, too. So you see even a lot of, like, my cousins and my family and friends, like, they've moved away. But they all kind of, like, come back to, wow. you know, bring up their kids. So, yeah, my That's mom wild. came from a huge um, Irish Catholic family and that was the norm 13 kids and in one house so my mom has some pretty cool stories growing up i would imagine so wow that sounds like a hurricane yeah (laughs) but they all like did their part like it was different they were all like dirt poor back then but everyone was poor so they didn't even know they were you know as poor as they they were they just thought oh this is how it is yeah that's just life yeah yeah Yeah, wow so did you grow up kind of near the four corners then if you were only a five minute walk to St. Martin's that must have been yeah so my mom grew up like on um what is it Robinson Road like Mm. the main drag Mm -hmm. um and it says like young and son like my grandfather he like built up uh, Youngstown and a lot of those old towns like he he bought up land and then he did like a gravel company so they go in and fill out these whole entire subdivisions in Ennismore so Um, so they lived kind of across from, yeah, Youngstown. And then we lived on the lake in our grandfather's cottage growing up. My dad and mom renovated it. And then we moved to, um, this little house with a lot of like about 10 acres of land. Oh, nice. And it's in grade three. So just an honest more still. Uh, and it's like the Cisco's homestead. So it's a really cool oh, history, cool. this house. Like, they used to call it the Haunted House of Ennismore, which I love. Really? Yeah. Man, I lived in Ennismore from the time I was 13 to the time I was 20. Yeah, you probably and drove I, by it for sure then. Yeah, I had zero concept of a lot of the history there. Yeah. And, um, we were really kind of shut-ins because came from the West Coast, long hair, into, like, you know, a lot... Not a hockey kid, yeah, and not really into country music at the time. Anyway, yeah. like I was like Zeppelin or nothing kind of thing, so I didn't really hang out with a whole lot of people <laughs> there. Just kind of hung in the basement. So I had wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that there was so much. Yeah, it was just a lot of like bike riding and stuff yeah. for me. Like we were, we weren't a sports family. Like my my dad and my brother, like they're just, uh, I guess, like car car guys mm. like my dad's like just a workaholic and my mom's that stay at home does all the business stuff right on. keeps everything afloat but yeah it was a really cool way to to grow up like sometimes i was like i want to get out of this hick town like it's just too much country music and redneck stuff but as much as at the time i was like ah, oh, this is crazy it was like the best way you know just yeah. jumping in cousin joe's truck and bombing down to the field to like they built this cabin specifically for partying and oh cool and that's where i learned how to perform yeah basically just, just jamming out there well yeah they found out that i had taught myself how to play guitar so i 
grew up playing fiddle. Like I started when I was four, and then I got shy and awkward in high school. But sure, I brought my guitar. I started bringing my guitar to parties, and they'd be like, "Play like Sweet Home Alabama." So Sweet Home Alabama on repeat. But then they found <laughs> out my cousins found out that I had been like writing songs. They're like, "Lisa, play your own songs." So they actually like really they would know all my my original That's song right. pieces, and they'd be like, "Play uh, the Doors song that you wrote." Or play Walking Alone, like all these like little lame high school girl songs. And they <laughs> loved it. They just ate it up and they really encouraged me. So That's awesome. I thought if I could rent over like a a party full of, you know, country rock and roll listeners and they yeah. want me to play my own stuff, then that just kinda got me hooked. Yeah. Especially yeah. like may not have even thought about it at the time but high schoolers are usually the meanest people on the planet yeah so if you can win over high school kids it's probably gonna be okay for you know yeah the rest of well and that's <laughs> the like the small town like mentality yeah. is like everyone kind of has your back and it's like yeah kind of motivating you and yeah they want to see you do well so yeah i was lucky in that sense that i yeah, had that's awesome family and friends and like oh this is so good <laughs> thanks guys that's wicked that, that I could see how that made a, a huge difference. When did you start playing out in front of people that weren't, you know, so diehard in your corner? Yeah. Well, I started performing on like fiddle stages when I was really young. Like I got lessons oh, cool. off the Leahy's, so yeah, there would be like little fiddle competitions and stuff. And those things were so intimidating. And I was the kid that was taught only by ear, so I felt like an oddball. Mm even at those but they were fun and they really got me like you know on stage comfortable around like a large group of people so I would get asked a lot of the time to play fiddle like even backing up like older guys you know right. like in Apsley and Buckhorn they they heard that I played fiddle and in the church yeah, choir yeah. everyone wanted me to like back them up right on That's fiddle cool. because they knew that I could just listen and play I guess so that kind of just snowball effect, just word of mouth. And then once I started singing my own songs, I started like seeking out little stages in Peterborough. And right. being in Ennismore, like I wasn't like a Peterborough, like I wasn't in that scene at all right. until yeah. I moved to town when I was like, I think 22. And yeah, that just opened all doors. And the Peterborough music scene just like completely opened their arms to me. It was Kevin Busby. The first guy who got me out singing my own songs at the spill. Oh, right. And I invited like all my my pals and yeah. So that was really cool. And then uh, Ryan Kemp was managing the the Moho. Oh. And he wow. kind of heard like word of mouth, whatever. And he asked me to like open up for, I think it was like, um, like Hey Rosetta or someone like, like he would give me all these opening gigs and then I ran like an open mic on Thursday nights, blew up the whole soundboard one night. Oh, wow. But nice. yeah, he really helped me out too in getting me these gigs and these openers and, and people would come out to watch because right we're from the outskirts. So it was like, oh, someone we know is like playing at a bar. Yeah, yeah. And it was really eye-opening, I think, for even a lot of um, like our small town people like going and watching a band like Hey Rosetta or like, you know, Matt Mays or Core Blunt come through town. It was yeah. just like, whoa. Like, yeah, we can actually, like, trip. whoop it up and, yeah, yeah go to a, a bar. So the Moho was awesome Yeah, I loved, back then. I loved that joint. It was so, like, 
on the verge of falling apart. Yeah. But it was still, every show was a riot. And they let us get away. Like, I, I had a band with my older brother forever. Yeah. And we got away with a lot of hijinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we were there, just like crazy shit where it's like, most bars are like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But they, they were like, yeah, man, people like it, so do it. And it was always, it was, it was like one of those places where it was like pretty good vibes. Like, I don't remember yeah. like bad fights or anything maybe i just <laughs> was happy-go-lucky being like oh i'm at a bar and i'm drinking and i'm 18 <laughs> <laughs> my sister's id and play music this is the best um but yeah they were really just everyone was just happy go lucky and then like the wall the the ceiling, the ceiling with all the yeah even my like names. uncle i don't know why they called him like Uncle Nipper Payne. So I'm like, that's my great uncle, Nipper Payne. Like, I don't know why they ain't called him that, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about the name tile. Yeah. Wow. Kind of, an, it was an end of an era when that place, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Dr. J's. Dr. J's is great. They're I doing awesome. awesome. And yeah. keeping it going, yeah. like, in that building is, yeah. yeah. Food's good. They still have, like, the blues jam. Yeah. Yeah. The PMEA so props jam. props to them for... It's great. Yeah. Yeah, keeping her keeping her rolling in some capacity yeah. instead of just apartment buildings right so yeah yeah because what was it? it was um has the pig's ear actually been turned into apartment it hasn't or? yet i don't know what's gonna happen yeah that Maybe was you know? a sad that was sad that was a sad closure i love that place yeah and like john punter's the just the coolest fucking guy yeah and then it was like eh, no more Oh, and it was too much. I can understand, like, you know, oh, yeah. years and years of that. But that was another place where it was just, I don't remember a bad night at that place. I just remember, like, going home so happy and, like, full of music. It wasn't even, like, you were, like, intoxicated, but also intoxicated by, like, the atmosphere. Yeah. Like, you could get really, like, just pumped up on music, whatever was happening, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Went from, like, country to metal to punk, and we just all, like, were pals and yeah. respected what we were doing. So, yeah, yeah, that place was pretty cool. It was. It was so awesome. And oh, just, like, everybody that went there, too, not just the not just the other musicians, but all the patrons, like, like you were saying, you could have such a widely varied genre night, and nobody really cared that you were going from country to metal to punk to a blues band or whatever yeah just are you good yeah yeah you know and that was about it that's yeah. all that really mattered and, and that people were having fun yeah and it was just that place is a it was a treasure yeah I and it wasn't it. like your testosterone like bro bar like going up and <laughs> having andrea like she was like i'm like <sighs> she's such a sweet the best you know and that like, her bartending just kept that place, like, I think, well, all the, the workers there, but it just kept it, like, such a great atmosphere where everyone just felt welcome. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if, like, if you were, like, a, a bro or whatever, as long as you're cool and just having a good time and nice to everyone, it's, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember a time that there was a fight inside the bar yeah i don't know either like the amount of times i went into that place and walked in with my fiddle and was like i'm gonna play on the bar now andrea and she's like okay <laughs> <laughs> just don't fall <laughs> yeah yeah did yeah. they let you do that at the moho too 
Oh yeah, I'm sure yeah. they did. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like I, I can't. I don't know how many times I got up on that bar. Yeah. And just stood there and played. Yeah, and, so much fun. And they were like, "Yeah, cool, man." There's so many places now. If you try to do that, they'd be like, "No." Get off get the bar. Get off my bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's like but. the best feeling in the world is standing up on something high and playing the fiddle. That's. Yeah. I can remember doing that when I was a kid. Just like finding like the highest point in the house and standing and playing my fiddle to like Charlie Daniels, nice. <laughs> pretending I was playing Charlie Daniels, and then when I got into my teeny years, it'd be like standing on Mom's kitchen table, and then someone would send her a picture and she'd be like, "You cannot stand on my goddamn kitchen table." <laughs> <laughs> and now it's standing on drums, and I rolled my ankle actually like oh, two no. weeks ago. I jumped off the drum my oh, first time no. jumping, and I. There was three carpets, and I landed right in between the carpet wedge, and I rolled it. But it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Good thing it didn't snap, dude. Holy yeah. moly. I'm like, damn it, I'm not 23 anymore. Because yeah. I just like went, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Finished the song, but I was just covered in sweat and being like, oh, God, oh, God. That's but I iced it, scary. and it was, it was okay. But nice. Yeah. Lesson learned. I'm getting older. Yeah. We're getting older. I know. Time keeps on slipping. It does. Slipping away. Yeah. Good songs come from Adele. Yeah, very true. <laughs> Specifically, Fly Like an Eagle, which was the, the really corny Time reference I was trying to make. Slipping. <laughs> <laughs> Into uh, the future. Yeah, that's a great time. No, great tune, rather. <laughs> great time. Ah! Great tune. Yeah, great tune. <laughs> it would be so much easier if I could speak well, especially for trying to do it as a, a show <laughs> hey i think that's part of the part of the it's like having like character in a voice you don't want to like listen to a podcast where the guy's like hello and welcome uh, i wish i could do that sometimes but uh it's just not me i'm glad I'm, you don't you I'm be you far too animated <laughs> too way too add I want to jump back a little bit because you you said you got you started in playing fiddle when you were four. How did that even come about? Was that something that you decided you wanted to do, or was it more like mom and dad are like, here, try this? Um, no. So I started um, like we grew up around the Leahy family, like yeah. I mentioned before. So my grandfather was good friends with Frank. So Leahys would come over and like play fiddle at my grandparents, and I can remember like just going to their concerts and being like, I want to play fiddle. Right. And then I had this little plastic guitar and eventually I just turned it around and had a stick and I would just like play this little plastic guitar. <laughs> awesome. And I, I did that for about a year, my mom said. And then Elmo came on TV and was playing fiddle and I was like, that's game over. So I was around <laughs> four at this time in playing my plastic guitar with a, a stick and and my mom's like, okay, I think we need to get her like a fiddle and, and maybe get into some lessons. So I did. Mom was great for that. So I think I'd like jumped around on the couch for another year with a real fiddle, but not knowing how to play it. And then sure. I got into Suzuki Method Okay. with yeah. this teacher at, uh, what was the music store on George, George Street? Uh, was it Wayne's Music? No. no. It might have been like musically or something like that. But anyways, there was this um, college teacher named uh, Charlie, and she taught me Suzuki Method, and I was a scatter kid. 
Right. You can. I'm a scattered adult. <laughs> adult. I'm sitting here and I can like just get off on a tangent. So yeah. I was like that when I was a kid. Like, oh my God, what's on the wall? Oh, right. What's over there? So I was probably a hard kid to teach. But she taught me like the the fundamentals and that Suzuki method. So like the way I hold the fiddle is like correct. And then I couldn't read notes for the life of me. Right. Like I just was pretending. Yeah. So sure. she started to catch on that I wasn't reading the paper. Yep. And she would take it away, and I'd still play. And she's like, she's just listening back. Yeah. And I'm like, mom's like, oh, but what do we do? And she's like, well, she needs to like learn theory and stuff. But she was encouraging to my ear, but she really wanted me to learn theory. And my brain just didn't work that way. Like sure. even through elementary school, like math, science, anything like that, my brain's just like numbers shut down and get anxious yeah. still to this day. <laughs> it's like... What's ten times eight? I'm like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> numbers. But uh, so then we got a teacher, Doug Leahy, who is um like from the renowned um, Leahy family. So I got lessons with him kind of sporadically up until I was twelve, and then they took off on like a world tour with Shania Twain. Right. So then my lessons kind of halted because they were just so busy and they were starting yeah. their families. So then. I got into high school and I was just so awkward and, and shy and I didn't think fiddle was cool, but I was like secretly still playing it a little bit. Sure. And then I started dating this guy and he played guitar and he taught me a couple chords and then I was like, I'm going to get better at guitar than this guy. So I like, <laughs> That's awesome. My aunt gave me a guitar and I just like was determined to get better than this, this boyfriend and I did and... Then I got a better guitar, and then it was just game over. I just started, like, writing songs because I yeah. realized I couldn't sing like Carrie Underwood. Sure. Like, for a while, I was like, maybe I suck. Like, I can't sing all these, like, pop songs on the radio. Yeah. But my mom was always encouraging. She's like, no, you got to find your voice. Like, think about all the people you love to hear. Like, like think of um, Ray Charles or, you know, Chuck Berry and... And they just all have, like, character in their voice. She's like, yeah. you just got to find your voice, Melissa. So my mom always, like, was really encouraging for that. That's like, awesome. find your voice and and just sing the way you sing. No one wants to hear someone sing, like, exactly like Carrie Underwood. Yeah, she already exists. Yeah. So, so, yeah, mom did a lot of encouragement that she wouldn't even really, you know. Yeah. No, she just was always like, find your own voice. I like your voice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. so important to have that kind of gentle push you know to find what you're going to be good at and to be able to not feel embarrassed about it yeah. at, especially at home that was uh i know for for us growing up that was a huge thing because like our place was the jam place you know? yeah like it was just i don't know we always had instruments growing up and then finally it was like i'm gonna pick one of these up and you just yeah. start kind of dicking around and then you start finding other musicians and everybody just sort of congregates in your basement yeah. and you're like oh I guess this is what we do you know and yeah having that same sort of thing at our place just a very uh, very not like pushing to to work too too much because I guess they yeah. wanted to keep it fun but that whole like yeah just do what you do yeah do what you do yeah yeah so find what kind the, of music you like and yeah so I'm like having flashbacks of like Ennismore time. So what was the time period you said you lived? 
Uh, I moved to Ennismore in 2000, and I left around, um, hey, you locked in? Oh, blocked in. Oh, blocked in. All right. Okay, we got to take a pause, because yeah. I blocked in a car. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> slam into the mic like an oaf. Uh, uh, Ennismore years. Ennismore years, That's where yeah. We were. Um, I, I moved there in like just at the end of 99. Yeah. And uh, I left in around 2006. Yeah, okay. I think. And uh, we were over on Pope Drive, which is, do you know um, Skyline Road? Yes. Okay. okay, I can remember, like, hearing about, like, so you said you played with your brother? Yeah. Too? I can remember yeah. hearing about, like, they're like, oh, you should jam with this, like, these group of boys. They live, like, just off of, like, Skyline, like, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's, that's so weird. I can't remember who would have, like, told me, but they're like, yeah, these these kids are supposed to be, like, really great musicians. So that's so funny. Wow. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. Because, like, I didn't have a band or anything at the time. And I was like, oh, oh I wow. wish I could, like, jam with someone. Because there was limited amount of people that I could actually yeah. play music with. Other than my, like, Aunt Kathy and, like, my cousin Jane. I taught her fiddle. Right. But, like, that was it. Like, I didn't really have... Wow, how crazy. Yeah, could you imagine? It all <laughs> like comes so full circle. But yeah, like That's they would so have funny. obviously been talking about you guys because I can remember specifically they just live off a of skyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was my older brother uh, was primarily guitar. I was primarily bass. Our younger brother played keys. Our, our little sister sang a little bit. Um, my, uh, my one cousin was a guitar player and... He had uh, he and my younger brother had a band together, and they they were like really heavy, kind of like almost yeah. like Tool esque kind of music. So like yeah. borderline metal, not quite metal, but yeah. pretty heavy. And um, yeah, and we just we would find we went to Adam Scott High School. Yeah. So we would find anybody that's like, do you play? Do you play? Do you play? Cool, basement jams. Yeah. And uh, we actually converted, but we. Our dad converted our entire basement into a jam space to the point where, like, the bulkhead, he installed he installed um, floodlights. And for people that, for friends that didn't really play but still wanted to be a part of it, he built a lighting board so that they could play with, <laughs> like, so changing cool. different uh, colored lights, turning the strobe light on, doing, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. And we always had, like, auxiliary percussion instruments for, for friends to play because it's, like... If you're going to come over to the house, this is what we're going to be doing. So yeah. if oh you don't want to be bored, here's a shaker, here's a tambourine, here's a kabasa, here's, you know, here's a djembe. Just, you know, do, yeah. just make noise with us. And yeah. Because we didn't really do much else, you know, like we got the guitars when we were still in BC and it was like, oh, this is fucking rad. Yeah, and, and you just become addicted. Yeah, and uh, I was the worst for it. I we would come home, and Devin, my older brother, would be like, "All right, let's go do our homework, and then we'll jam." I'm like, "Yeah." He would actually go do his homework. I would just sit in my room and like <laughs> wait, wait the, what I felt like was the appropriate yeah. amount of time <laughs> before I would go out and grab 
grab my bass and start so playing. I pretended along enough. Yeah, yeah I'm so um, envious of that because, like, in my house, my twin sister, she played piano for a little bit, but she's an artist. Like, she just wanted yeah. to sit and paint pictures. Yeah, and that's my cool. older siblings are like very type A, and they 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 would never want to jam. Like, right? It was really me and my mom that would like sit and and jam and sing and she didn't play the instrument she was just like my encouragement but i just wanted so badly to play music with people i can remember and i had this yeah this one boyfriend that i dated but that wasn't until i was like in grade 10 or 11. wow and then i really like just got obsessed and i wanted to find people yeah to play music with but it it took a few years to like you know break out of my comfort zone and like oh yeah it's so terrifying the first few times like i remember the first time i ever played on a stage i was quite a bit old because you were doing stuff when you were four and five right yeah like playing like these little fiddle fiddle competitions competitions and stuff my first time was an open mic when i was 13 and i ate shit I just, I train wrecked the song and froze. Uh, And like the MC had to help me off the stage. I cried the whole car ride home. Yeah. It was so terrible. So terrible. But like stuff like that was, you know, and then trying to then convince other people that you were worthwhile to, to play with. Like the only person really for the longest time until I got better was my older brother. And luckily he was there to be like, I'll play with you. Yeah. You know, because... If he didn't, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. But that's that's awesome that um, you at least had your mom and that's. When did you start seeking out other people? How old were you? Well, I didn't. I wasn't really trying to seek out people because I was so awkward and shy. I didn't want to like tell people that I played. Like I remember even in music class in grade nine, um, my music teacher found out that I played. But I again didn't play notes, so I was like, I, I blow. Like I suck ass. Uh, Right. I was getting like high 90s in music class, but I was pretending. Oh, like, yeah. And falling asleep during theory. Like, <laughs> so I was literally just like flying by the seat of my pants. Like, when it came to like the exam, I would like hear this trumpet player and then I'd just play what he played and like, okay, it passed again. That's so, I did the same <clears throat> shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's I weird. I thought that I was alone in it. And I was like, I, I must know. suck. <laughs> so I actually didn't even take grade 10 music i just um and i regretted it huge too my twin sister played tuba and they went to like new orleans oh cool it's like cool stuff but i would go to the coffee houses and i'd watch but again i'd like it just took time like um mike dugay he was like a musician who played in peterborough briar gray they all played and they all jammed at every like you know school function but it wasn't until like I was brave enough, like in the party circle, that people found out that right. I played and I sang a little bit. Yeah. So I just kind of like waited for people to find out, <laughs> in a sense. But then once I moved to Peterborough, then I started like I would just go out to the Rusty Snail at the time, yeah, just to guard that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And a group of guys, they'd have like this fiddle jam, so I'd just go and I'd bring like my little dorky tape recorder and I'd just like record some of the old pieces and right, then I'd right. like go home and figure you know, them go out. Go home and That's try to awesome. slow them down. And then a couple people in that scene like heard me just sitting around with these guys and in jamming. So then 
I think, I don't even know how I met like James McKenty. I'm trying to think. It must have been through Ryan Kemp in that scene. Yeah. And then like I played on the Kojiko thing. Did you ever do that? Oh, wow. <clears throat> like the Kojiko like yeah. little um, like sessions. What were they called? I forget. He's such a great guy, and why can't I remember his name? But he, like... I do remember those. Yeah, and he'd have, like, local musicians and do a little interview, and then you'd sing a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Carl, my buddy Carl, we call him Uncle Carl, he, like, drove and managed the spades and drives, like, Blue Rodeo and all those guys. So he saw me on Kojiko, and he's like, I'm going to give you my friend James's... uh, contact and maybe you should like think about recording some of these songs so then i reached out i was touring with natalie mcmaster as her babysitter at the time okay so when i was home on weekends or you know sometime we'd be gone for like two months at a time i would um go into james's little upstairs it was like in this office building so we couldn't make noise during the day really oh wow uh and i recorded my first album and then the spades wanted to start their own little boutique label so they reached out to me and they're like i was looking for guitar players and james is like this ireland brothers band actually like the the younger one he's like pretty good guitar player you should reach out to him and then dylan came and sang like vocals on a track and then we started jamming together and yeah that's like was kind of the music breakthrough in peterborough that's awesome with ryan kemp and the moho and then Recording. Right. So did right that away. also kind of give birth to Expressing Co. that way? It did, yeah. As soon as me and Dylan started jamming, he's like, I'm going to start a band with my, my buddy Liam. Grumpy old Liam. <laughs> he's not so grumpy anymore, but he's like, like, who is this guy? He just looks like he, he does not like me. <laughs> so it's just me and Dylan and Liam. And then Dylan asked, like, he's like, oh, my friend Benj roll. And I'd seen Benj, like, around town. It's like, this guy is, like, the coolest guy ever. He's so quiet. And then he just gets on the mic and, like, shuts down the place. And Yeah, so he came over for Basement Jam. And Dylan's, like, dad was, like, just a music lover like through and through so we had this whole jam space that's awesome like records everywhere and guitars everywhere so i was just in heaven i was like walking in probably to your family basement for the first time it's like oh so benj and then our our buddy joe yeah and so that was like we just thought of like dorky band names and express and company stack and then seventh fire the little boutique label they had like some investors and yeah they helped us put together couple records so yeah yeah Yeah. and it's good stuff too yeah it's fun to play it was fun like and that was like you know just into my 20s so it was like playing solo and doing all these open mics and opening up for for all kinds of bands at the moho opening up for the weber brothers i can remember i think my first gig other than open mic i opened up for the weber brothers at market hall and i was like oh my god i have made it like i I'm so famous now. I'm like, <laughs> one awesome. day I'm going to play the Montreal House stage. And I was like, I have made it. Like, I can stop now. <laughs> That's great. Like, you have these old, like, little oh, goals yeah. when oh, you're just starting out. But, and it's still like that. It's like, oh, my God, if I get it. I remember Dylan being like, if we get, like, on CBC Radio 2 top, like, 20, then, like, we have made it as musicians. And then we did, and we're like... <laughs> 
okay, we're, we have not made it, but like <laughs> just these little goals that you, you go after, but yeah, they just kind of spiral and they've always kept me in it. Every time I've been like, you know what, maybe I should go back to daycare, childcare and sure. make some money and <laughs> try yeah. to pay my mortgage and something will pull me back in. Did you study ECE at Fleming? Yeah. I think you and my mom were in the same program. Really? Yeah. So funny. Her name was Liz McMahon. Or is. Her name still is Liz. Liz McManus. Liz uh, McManus. She had uh, dark hair. Um, older lady. So I took a year of ECE. And yeah. then I went back out on tour babysitting for Natalie McMaster. Right. For three years. And then I went back for a second year. Okay. So it's kind of like these two broken groups in my mind like I was like sure yeah so I'm trying to think like which year I would have got back into it but I do remember I'm having a, and I don't know if it's a fake memory or not I've, I've watched this doc on memory on Netflix recently and it's got me questioning everything that I remember <laughs> it's like yeah. oh no it's crazy it's really it's like, crazy did I remember it or did someone just tell me yeah is this real did this really happen but yeah. she told me if I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but I think I'm right that there were these. Did your sister do my the twin sister was too? So I was in. Cause my sister was in second year when I was in first year. Okay. And my sister-in-law. That's how my we met our sister-in-law. Oh, cool! When we introduced her to my brother. Wow, yeah. that's that's awesome. <laughs> the ECE program. Yeah, my mom told me that there were these two blonde twins. Yeah, that, crazy. That she would, well, no, that sometimes she would, like, you guys would all go get coffee together sometimes, and there, I remember specifically this one story about trying to get into the drive-thru at Tim Hortons or something. Yeah. And she asked you to wave at these guys in another car so that you could get in. She's like, they'll let us in, just wave at them. <laughs> and I guess, yeah. I don't, and again, I don't know if this is real or not, but I think you guys are in the same program Oh, as probably, and it could have been Mary, too. And I always, like, would um, skip some of my classes and go hang out with Mary in okay. her second year right. gang. Huh. Yeah. That might, that, ah. Uh. And then I don't know if Mary took a year off, and then she finished her program. Yeah, so funny. But the easy was, it was it. It was a fun program. Is your mom still doing it? Uh, she works in, um, uh, what, what do you call that? Uh, I guess she's a PSW, I guess, for, yeah. for older people. Okay. I'm yeah. going to have to like creep her on old Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. I remember. It's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. she's uh, She works with people that are like pre-hospice, I guess. Okay. So they're like, they're really kind of just about on the way out it takes she, a special person to yeah oh i don't know yeah. if i could do it yeah Espe like you form a relationship with somebody and then who knows maybe a year later and they're gone yeah Oof, i don't know but but it takes she, amazing people in yeah, like, she loves it so for those people's families and everything like you just kind of like my mom's the same way like i think that caregiver gene is like yeah. In a, it's like, in just a certain to, person. Yeah. yeah. And I miss it. Like, I miss, like, doing the babysitting and in the child care some days. Like, that was my audience, too. My little, like, whole right. room of toddlers. And they'd be like, okay, guys, we're going to sing, like, down by the bay. And they'd be like, dan, 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 pay. But, like, one of them would be, like, off in the corner, like, tearing apart the diapers. And then one would be, like, climbing the walls. And then there'd be, like, three, like, 
It's like, this is my audience. Yeah. Just like drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one of them's tearing apart diapers. The yeah, other one of them's fighting. One of them's crying in the corner. And then they have like four people that are just like. <laughs> yeah. One of them's. One of them's puking. Yeah. <laughs> drunk people are like toddlers. They really are. Like, yeah, just their emotions they go through. Yeah. They're tripping, they're falling sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that prepared me. Yeah. Toddler room prepared me for the bar scene ahead. Oh, but that's so funny. Yeah. But it's kind of like I'm not in the bar scene as much as I was. And I like it like yeah. that. Like, I... It's fun to go back into and play those bangers, but also not driving home at three in the morning uh, as much. And right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Those, those are, I like the earlier shows. Yeah. It's funny because it, it's only been recently, at least for me, that I've started playing considerably earlier shows and ending considerably earlier. It hasn't taken long. I'm already spoiled. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, when it's like, oh, it's a three-setter. And you're like... Three sets, oh, yeah. Okay. Three sets and then a drive yeah. most of the time. But, yeah. I'm such... I'm so spoiled already. It's crazy. It's like That's now... Great. It's like, oh, no. Three sets. But sometimes, Yuck. like, those can be amazing. Like, you're <laughs> touring with be. such a great group right now. With, like, yeah. Emily and Marcus. And yeah, I find, awesome. like, when she, like... Like, I have these two brothers that are always, like, my go-to. And it's just awesome having like your little like your core yeah your yeah. little core of good people like we played gigs together and you're a great guy to like you know oh, tour you. and play gigs with but yeah. sometimes it's hard to like round up yourself and other musicians at the same yeah. time yeah. just like that stuff sometimes was a, a nightmare being like okay guys like we have to leave at 11 o'clock. It's like, well, my underwear aren't clean. It's like, I don't care. Don't wear underwear. We're leaving 11. Well, then I'm not coming to the gig. I'm like, I'm Whoa. going to scream. <laughs> it was like childcare all over yeah. again. Wow, that's wild. Um, I try to make sure that my undies are clean. Yeah. I got to say. Just before you got to go to the gig, yeah, right? Well, at, at the very least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but I, I to... went through the motions and yeah, for sure. I'm sure I've been like that that booker and player too. Like oh, I, I've I just feel learned. Like most of us probably have been learned over time, but yeah. And now I'm a side player right now, so it's it's crazy. Yeah, with uh, it's uh, Matty Mays, right? Yeah, yeah, Matt Mays, and so he has like a whole team, like his whole um, like he's on like Warner, and then he has like management in the East Coast and. Stuff so everything's like pretty easy when we go out on tour. Like yeah. the tour manager picks us up, and we have a hotel, and we have, you know, That's set awesome. pay and set times and set itinerary, and so it makes life pretty relaxed and easy. And I love the tunes. Like I've been playing Matt Mays tunes even before I met Matt Mays, right. which is. So fun too. I'm like, yeah, I know these songs. Yeah, that's got to be like, rad. Eh? Yeah. It's like, wow, I learned these just for fun. Just for fun, yeah. Because they are cool. And yeah. now I get paid to play them. Yeah, that's I get awesome. to like play with one of my, yeah, songwriting, my heroes. I love his writing and his playing. Like I put a couple of his songs on my, my past albums, so. Wow. Yeah. Like and then the... he came and played on my whole upcoming album. He came and sang, came out to Greg Keeler's and sang a whole bunch of, uh, harmony and laid down some guitar and 
That's and that's kind of how, yeah, we came became pals with him singing on the record. He's like, why don't you come sing on my, my new record? I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. That's awesome. I bring my fiddle. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about songwriting? Yeah. When you write, do you have like a specific process or do you, because some people are like, chord progression first lyrics first melody first do you have do you have like a checklist that you run down or are you a little more ADD with it just however it comes together is how it comes together yeah I would say I'm ADD but um I piece it together like over the course of like two days like I'll be singing and playing and I just play and then I'll sing like or hum a melody and then, like, sometimes a hook will just, like, come out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh. I'll, like, kind of put the verse in course. Like, it can happen at different times. I'm like, sure. this is this would be a great course. Right. So I'll practice that, like, that hook. And then I have to, like, come up with, like, the verse and, like, what the song is going to be about. Like, that relates to this emotion at the time that I right. was just, you know, singing out about. But it it happens at different in times and in different ways like sometimes I'll be singing a melody in the car and then I'll go home and put chords to it or I might just have like some words that I like and I'm trying to think of a melody for them okay cool yeah yeah it's crazy like when I first started it was just playing for myself right you know and I didn't think anyone was going to hear them so that was like the easiest funnest time of songwriting when I think back to it and now you get a little bit too much in your head. It's like, oh, are people going to like, what are people going to think? So I had to like really shut down and be like, just play. But I've started doing the co-writing a little bit as well. Like with, I wrote with this lady in Toronto, uh, Maya Davies. Okay. And she works with um, this guy, Gavin Brown, who like produced Fear Naked Ladies and all them. And she's just like a machine when it comes to like, we were this amazing team. I would go up to, it was like, songwriting for the first time again for me like she would lay down these hooks on piano yeah and she's like i'm thinking like darker than your dark i'm like that's amazing like just the way she was playing it and then we just built a song within like 15 minutes wow really that like because i had like words i was like paler than your pale and it's like little lines that i had wrote down like candle burning down on the shadow where you laid like i was like trying to think of a place in a song so that like made it into that song so just it was really cool we would just jive and some days it just just feel each other yeah yeah flew right out and then we had the studio right there so we could lay down the yeah the jam so yeah that was like a whole new world of uh co-writing is That's pretty weird. cool because yeah. and then it's just like what's best for the song yeah of course i started stop taking like so much of like my own like ownership and integrity it's like i have to write it i have to like produce it i have to think of the the things and it's like putting it out kind of into the universe and being like okay universe like help us with this song yeah <laughs> kind of thing because it's amazing what a group of musicians can hear different oh yeah yeah totally so yeah, in the yeah. studio, that's kind of like, for this album, that's kind of where we let it go. It's like, okay, what's best for the song? That's awesome. Let's take out of all like our egos out of the picture and just, yeah. which is really hard because it's like, I hear this. Yeah. This is my song. Yeah. This is what sure. I want. 
But uh, Greg was amazing for that. He's like, let's take the ego out and just like let the song breathe on its own and see yeah. what happens to it. So it's a pretty cool yeah. process. That's wicked. And it's kind of like at peace with yourself, like letting go of like, you know, the ego is just such a, a wild thing that can kind of like just take control over so many aspects of your life. Yeah. But once you let go of that and it's just like, what can music do for, you know, for everyone? Like, what can this song do? Not just for myself, but like for healing, but like helping other people. So just letting well, yeah. go of that. Because I'm certain everybody's got at least a song, if not a couple of different records that got them through something that was like, ugh. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, whether you're a teenager and just going through teenage angst and not knowing how to deal with hormone hormones flooding your brain in a new way for the first time and all that kind of stuff and you're like i need this song to like recenter or who knows like you're older and you go through some kind of fucked up thing and you're like oh i just need this tune right now to remind me that everything's gonna be okay Yeah. yeah it's uh i agree like it's it's not just about the specific writer especially once it's done once it's done and out there yeah it's kind of like it belongs to anyone that connects to it now yeah in that way which that's very cool i'm excited to hear it i can't wait to hear yeah i gotta stuff. send it to you that, yeah well i've heard september skies because yeah well i learned it for yep. uh the uh i think it was a birthday party that we played was it yeah uh because it was us and cookie and greco at the red dog oh yes I yeah think that was, i think that was like a that might have been a year ago. It was, yeah. Express and Company. That was like our first, like, kind of me and Dylan starting to play some music together again, which is still, we're going to see how that goes. Sure. <laughs> okay, Dylan, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> and for myself, I got to get my shit together. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's got certain aspects of <laughs> shit getting together to be done i know i certainly do like my like just this this office space was such a mess until yesterday when i was like what's this coming over tomorrow I oh think, yeah yeah i'm motivationed to, to <laughs> clean up the space that's news yeah it's um <laughs> well because like normally like when i'm demoing stuff in here i yeah. just sit at the computer and everything i need is right there yep which it's handy and it's nice, but it looks like a fucking rat's nest. Oh you know, yeah, it's just like no, I have it uh, too. <laughs> I have like one space in my house, like my recording desk, and my partner like it's just like has a lot of stuff, but it has a place. Yeah, where I don't have a lot of stuff, and it does not have a place. It's just it's just right there for everyone to see. So I have like my little like corner, and it's just like. Just so much stuff thrown about, like three fiddles and posters. And yeah, she calls it my corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, go put it in your corner, Melissa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, Amber was down here and she, she was kind of looking around. She goes, you're having a podcast in a couple of days? <laughs> yeah. Like, you need to fucking clean this. This is well, gross. Great. Well, yeah, it's thank, a cool thank space. You. Yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming. There's still a lot of stuff that I want to do to it um actually eventually i want to kind of take a, a page from james mckenzie's book and i'm gonna and 
hope, hopefully in a few years, I'm just going to build an entire external amazing studio in the backyard. That'd so. be so awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, Amber and I have started drawing up like blueprints for it and stuff. Cool. I, I mean, I got to check zoning laws and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I also got to save up a shitload of money to do it. Yep. It's not going to be cheap, but I think that would be like the the dream. It would be really cool to do that. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. And then also that way, like, people don't have to, like, feel weird about Because some people were like, we're going, like, through your house to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal? But I don't know. I, I understand that it could make some people feel a little weird walking into the house so if it's like an annexed thing i think it would just keep it easier in a way and also it's just like it's my space probably yeah for amber too being like oh, oh god yeah. i gotta clean people are walking through the house <laughs> that would be my mentality being like how do i hide all of my things really quickly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah hitting the nail on the head damn it i'll put this in the closet <laughs> <laughs> you're like what are you having practice yeah, you need to clean the house. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Oh, God, I kind of run around. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Katie's like, you should just have that stuff done, Melissa. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I think that's part of the the musician's mind for a lot of us anyway. It's just like, I got, I'm got. i doing this thing. So everything else is almost like pushed out. I yeah. know it is for me. It's very much like I got serious tunnel vision when I'm working on whatever I happen to be working on. If it's like, I'm writing this song, nothing else comes in. Yeah, if nothing. it's, I'm learning these tunes for the, for these people, same sort of thing, everything else gets pushed out. Yeah. It's just like, which, I mean, I guess it's good for the that end is product. Good. Yeah, for creating and, yeah. But for everything else in my life, it, yeah. <laughs> it leaves a bit of a mess. So, I don't know. But stuff to work on. Mm. I find writing these days, I write the best when I kind of, um, I go to my mom's even still. Because wow, if I'm in cool. my own house, I'm thinking about the laundry and I'm thinking about the dishes. And I'm thinking about, like, we're renovating our upstairs and, like, just the things that I need to do. But if I go out to my mom's and I'm like, hey, mom, I've been writing this song. She will still listen and I can tell right away if like it's kind of a hook in her mind or not right too sometimes or she'll just like sit around and like make her salsa and do her like her bookkeeping for my dad's business and it still kind of can be like my little retreat that's awesome to go out to the the country and just shut down too in my mind is still like you know i like the space i like open fields so if like i can like just go out there and look at a a field like i'll go to greg's when he's out of town or if he wants to do some writing in, it's the same thing. It's like, for some reason, that open space, that open field, like just not opening the door and looking at my neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, kind of helps your mind breathe. Yeah, it does. I yeah. just kind of can let go. The laundry and everything is at home. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully cool. I can create a space in the house that I can... I find in fall, this is when I kind of do a lot of writing too. It's like that yeah. crisp air and I'm not distracted. It's not like I'm too hot and too cold. You can kind of like, yeah. so a lot of my songs like are like September and fall leaves and like getting away in the fall. Like a, I've written a lot of songs this time of year, That's which is awesome. funny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool to know too, sort of like what kickstarts the the creative process for yourself yeah you know? like 
I, I find that to be a really important thing because I don't know, like certain things, like just totally innocuous seeming things will set something off for me to be like, Hmm. Yeah. Oh wow! Boy, no, I need something. You know, and it's uh, which it's nice too today with with a lot of different technology. Because if I'm if I'm somewhere that I just don't have access to anything, I still have my phone and I can hum a melody into my voice recorder, or I can you know punch some lyrics into my uh, my notepad thing right on my phone. Yeah. And then I can get home and kind of work with it and see if it really is something or if it wasn't <laughs> yeah no i do so much driving in the car like yeah um so i still like have a gig on the side driving greg keeler to his like blue rodeo gigs in um like on my way to his house or like on my way home when i'm alone like and tired like the way i keep myself up too some nights is like i just put on the phone recorder and i just like start singing random melodies or like whatever That's comes awesome. to my mind and it's kind of interesting listening back to some of those like i have songs that have came out of those late night driving in the car at like 3 a.m trying to keep myself awake and some of it's hilarious it's like oh my god i think i was like losing my mind at <laughs> one point <laughs> yeah it's it's weird eh? like when like some of those at least for me like when i'm writing some of the stuff in the moment, I'm like, yeah, I think this is probably pretty good. And then I come back to it later and it can be like, yeah, no, this is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the, the opposite. Complete opposite. Yeah. Where you're like, ah, oh, this isn't fucking working. This yeah. is not, this isn't good. This isn't good. And then you leave it alone for like a day or two and you come back to it. You're like, oh, this is actually pretty, yeah. this is pretty solid. Yeah, I should really explore this more. So that's cool. But yeah. playing with other people has been great too because like I yeah. find myself limited on guitar or even like just picking up a keyboard. I don't play keys. Like right. I can kind of play my chord progressions. But different things come out of those or like the co-writing experience was just like hearing someone else play different chord progressions or different timing in different songs can come out of that because my yeah. songs started feeling like it was like okay this is the way I strum and this is the way I play so learning covers is sometimes good for that because you can yeah get out of your own writing headspace yeah and like into yeah. someone else's world and then subconsciously these things like kind of come back it's like oh of course did I yeah. just rip off that song but I maybe I did but in a way that like I didn't mean to like I think even like you know Bob Dylan and Neil Young and all those writers like at one time they were influenced by other people's writing and you can hear it oh so yeah. many styles and so I mean really there's only there's only 12 notes in a semitonal system yeah. which we work in uh, so there's 12 notes there's only so many ways you can well there's actually a shitload of ways you can arrange that but I yeah. mean um, especially if you if you're thinking in a specific genre, then they're you know that kind of I guess lays out more of a a path when you think okay so there's this style and then you know there's there's a bunch of different rhythms but again a lot of those kind of get blocked when you're like this is the genre I'm writing in right now it, yeah. at least for me anyway it's like if I'm like 
I'm going to write something a little more country-esque or I'm going to write a pop song or I'm going to write something like really heavy or I'm going to, you know, it's like, at least for me when I do that, it like starts closing the parameters into, it's like, okay, cool. There's that box for that tune. Yeah. So inevitably, I think whatever you're listening to and if you're learning stuff, it has to creep in. I like there's, I mean, that's like humans just, do that for yeah. everything i mean like i know you're talking a little bit about being afraid of math earlier and stuff but like uh just to use math as an example because i got nothing else right now like nobody's reinventing math every time yeah you know what i mean <laughs> we're just using the same formulas yeah. over and over and over again so it makes sense that you know you hear something that you really dig on like when you're talking about ray charles actually uh there's this tune that I wrote years ago, which I didn't even realize it at the time, but it was like, it was quite the ripoff of, I don't need no doctor. <laughs> and I was like, once I realized it, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. But then ah! Ray Charles is probably like, you know, taking some influence from someone else. Like, oh, it's really yeah. cool to see like how it, yeah, it all transpires over, over time. But yeah. So, yeah, right now I just want to do some more, now that I'm done theater, like, I should come over here and jam, play yeah. me some, like, bass lines, and, like, things can come out of those those things. And I was telling a couple of the guys, like, just come over with guitar riffs. If you have this, like, sweet guitar riff, like, I feel like some songs can just be, especially with Matt Mays' writing, he, I've noticed that he, like, will have this riff, like, even, like, his song, like, Tall Trees, do 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 and it's like that's a whole song that's right. like the hook yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like so Absolutely. a bass line a guitar hook like i am finding myself like inspired by by those things and like what can come that's awesome instead of just sitting down by myself and strumming a d <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i agree i love collaborative work it's so because again you, like i mean i i and i keep i hate keeping saying like when I do it, but I, I only, I only really know how I do it. Um, I feel like my writing, if I do everything, I feel like the song is like kind of two dimensional, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then when other people come in and they're like, well, what if I did this? And what if I did this? What it's like, oh yeah, now we're looking at it in 3d. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Um, actually, Hey, uh, would you be interested in maybe playing some fiddle on a tune? Yes, absolutely. Wicked. I can if you if you want to hang out for like a few minutes after we're done, I can show you this song. That yeah, I've, for sure. I've written. Um, it's actually uh, it's the first love song I've ever written that I didn't think was terrible. Those are and hard to write. Really, really hard. <laughs> really hard. Really hard. The first song I ever wrote, I was thirteen. I'm 34, and this is the first <laughs> love song where I'm like, this isn't a piece of shit. Awesome. I <laughs> so can't wait I'm, to hear it. I'm very excited about it. It's, uh, uh, what I'll show you later is very much a demo, so please keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's super demo. So, uh, but that, I think that would be a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, if you want to play uh, some fiddle on it, that would Absolutely. Be, be really groovy. Yes. Cool. I am wanting to play fiddle. <laughs> Wait. And it's, the fiddle's kind of like opened up lately like with matt i'm playing through you know some tremolo pedals and oh, i got cool. my reverb and i got my delay 
and then a little overdrive every now and then and it's that's wicked it's lots of fun especially with the delay like and getting those those different tones and and then i go home and i'm wanting to like you know practice electric guitar and being like oh like i could come up with some like different yeah yeah types of things oh, and like stuff like, just that little bit of effect you yeah. put on it can totally change yeah. everything yeah. yeah it's been pretty fun it's opening like some yeah new musical doors wicked in my head <laughs> that might have been closed Ooh, nice open. that's cool stuff yeah um when is the record getting released that is a good question oh okay <laughs> <laughs> The record has been done and I've been sitting on it. In the past, I I finish records and then it's like, okay, it's go time. Let's just release it. Right. And this one, it's like, I don't know. I'm just like holding on tight to it. I'm like, I don't want to just let it go out into the world just yet because right. maybe I'm not ready or maybe it's not ready. So I've been sitting on this for like a year and it's finished. So... Actually, today I've been chatting with like some publicists and it's looking like timeline March, which means Sweet. I get a lot of time to prepare. Right. And really prepare. Yeah. Like yeah, with yeah. the higher publicists. And I've just kind of learned over time that sometimes you got to you got to do that. Like the publicist is such a huge thing for getting it out there. And that's all I want right now. I don't want to make like. You know, I don't think I'm going to, like, make it big off, like, one record. I just want people to hear it, and yeah. I want it to be as successful as it can for for the music's, like, sake, yeah. and just having it out there. I don't want to just release it, and then it's, like, and kind of, sort of forgotten, yeah. you know? So, hopefully, this is something that, like, I can, like, I've just been sitting on it for a little bit, because I just want to make sure it's released in a good way. Right. So, March. March. March will be a CD release in Peterborough. And, awesome. Yeah. And I've actually sat down <laughs> and hired the publicists and all that kind of stuff. So I can't just say like, oh, it's going to be April, I hope. But yeah, actually March. Wicked. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking for because I think the only tune I've heard off of it is September Skies. Yeah. So I've released uh, one more single oh, out there. Okay. I'm just kind of like trickling them out there. Um, I'm going to be working on a music video for it, but it's out there on Spotify right now. It's called Thousand Pieces. Oh, cool. Yeah, and that's one that I, I wrote, and then I took it to Toronto, and Maya helped me kind of finish it up, and it kind of transformed into the, like, it was like, in my mind, it was kind of like fighting through a relationship, but then it was um, kind of like took a turn in the studio when it was like going through all the Me Too stuff that's when I was right. singing it and writing it and I was kind of like in my head I was like singing it for those women it's just like you know kind of about years of feeling silenced and being closed down and no matter what you do like you just keep getting like kind of torn apart but um building yourself back up and I think that's kind of where we are like from a, a woman's standpoint like we can sure. kind of like have some say and we're not like just closing our mouth the something's really shitty that's happened to us it's like hey you're gonna be held accountable for now yeah and that's that's kind of on you <laughs> yeah i that is that's really cool and it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about because i guess like in the indie scene at least for me i don't really 
I don't think about that kind of stuff a whole heck of a lot because my opinion has always been like, are you good at what you do and are you easy to work with? If yeah. that's the case, awesome. Let's fucking hang and I want to hear good ideas and, yeah. and, and have fun. But like talking with more and more people, you hear like kind of like fucked up stories. You're like, really? Did that? That happened? That's yeah. Weird. And I think it can happen in any workplace, in any kind of place in society, like not sure. just music. Like, um, you know, I've been a musician since I was a little kid, but I can remember walking into the music store the first couple times and they're like, like, do you need help picking out guitar strings? I'm like, oh no, I need like, you know, I need extra light on this guitar because it will bow. And they're like, okay, we'll put those on for you. And they put like like mediums on there and it, it bowed i'm like hey you can't do that to my guitar and they're like kind of treating me like i was a girl who didn't really know anything yeah. like and now i walk in and it's like over time i got like respect just from being a musician but i can remember just being like oh who's this like just blonde haired yeah. chick like i felt insecure for a while because like i grew up having i hung out with every group i hung out with the jocks i hung out with like the hippies i hung out with like you know just stay at home and chill like i just hung out with every group but you kind of get pigeonholed as like blonde hair girl yeah like yeah, playing guitar that. it's like you don't know anything chick and it, then i kind of like instead of being called like a musician it was like oh she's like pretty like actually good on guitar for a girl and it's like yeah, or I'm just like practice guitar as a person, you know, that kind of yeah. mentality. But that it happens everywhere. And I've been lucky. I work with amazing group of guys where I've like I've never really ran into that in my own circles. Like I, I get it from strangers every now and then and stuff, but um mm-hmm. for the most part, like the guys I play with, I'm just like I'm just a player. Just player yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not like okay because i'm a girl or like yeah you're good I'm at just it because like, you work on i'm a it. musician that's yeah. played for a while yeah so things are changing now like it's it's nice to be you know instead of just walking in it's like oh it's it's blonde haired girl's pretty good on fiddle it's like oh this this person's pretty good at fiddle <laughs> yeah you know but it's a it's a funny thing and i think a lot of women have suffered over over time just in workplaces and yeah in- it's that's a weird thing like i i don't know maybe it was just because the way we were raised growing yeah. up like you know the melanin in your skin or the or what's between your legs yeah. never really made a difference yeah uh, you know mom and dad were well still are like you know pretty progressive hippy dippy kind yeah. of folk and so we were brought up that it's like Good ideas are good ideas. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. Yeah. Nice people are nice people. A good player is a good player. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, I've heard people say um, before uh, about Emily that, you know, she's a good guitar player for, you know, it's like, wow, I'm really surprised that this lady's a good guitar player. It's like, why? Yeah. Like, if you if you just heard a recording, you wouldn't go, wow, that's really good guitar work for a girl. You would go, like, wow, that's really good fucking guitar work. Yeah, like, it's this guitar work for, like, a person who's, like, you know, really studied and played and worked hard in music. It's not yeah, just the the female mentality. It's like, oh, they're pretty good. It's, 
but I grew up like too in a household where like you know it was it was cool that like we played with Barbies some days and then I was like on the dirt bike the next day kind yeah. of thing like there wasn't Nothing's any of that closed off yeah yeah I think in society too it's like oh like they're pretty good for doing this thing that's like more so like for some reason it was like told like oh guitars are kind of more of a guy thing like electric guitars and stuff mm-hmm. like but it shouldn't be like that like same with like dirt biking and stuff when i was a kid it, like it was just a fun thing <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and yeah it's kind of weird how like certain instruments are always or not always are almost is what i meant to say thought of more as like certain instruments are kind of masculine and certain instruments are kind of feminine it's like why yeah if i want to play the flute why does that make me more girly than if i wanted to play i don't know the drums or something that just seems weird because like i don't know cool instruments are cool and and like you're saying for dirt biking like that just sounds like fun oh (laughs) so much fun who cares if it's you know seen uh, i guess traditionally as more of a, a guy thing where you know Barbies would be more of a girl thing. It's like, are you having a good time? Yeah. That's and I think good. it it can hold you back. Like, And it's so amazing in society now that that stuff is acceptable. But I can remember yeah. going into high school and I just, I wanted to fit in, you know, with the girls. And it was easier to be like a girly girl than it was to like, you know, kind of be myself. It took me a little sure. bit to be like yeah. who I actually was like instead of having like you know a few guys I dated being like why are you like so into like photography and music like that's kind of like weird I'm like why <laughs> like I hung out with like great groups and then you know kind of like a few judgmental groups and yeah. really supportive people but some people that kind of just wanted you to like more so just like follow the norm yeah and which like I couldn't fit the mold that they yeah is, fit the mold but yeah. I just never could do that and I'm really glad that through high school like I was able to like come out of my shell and and be my own person instead of like being at home curling my hair I'm like I hate doing this <laughs> why am I doing this yeah. this is the worst yeah. I just want to like put my hair in a bun and carry my fiddle on my back and go so yeah, yeah. I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, just be you yeah. completely in high school. But it's hard. Like, you're just, you're getting high forced into terrifying. this, like, yeah, <laughs> this genre of of people and things and told what you can do. And, like, in all the, like, the cool guitar players, I was like, they won't accept me because I'm, like, this blonde-haired, like, fucking catholic girl in a kilt who wants to like jam so hard and play music like are they gonna like take me seriously yeah and they probably would have i was just i wasn't secure enough to be myself either so that's a hard especially at that age that's such a hard thing like i it was when on the west coast before we moved to ontario it was really cool to have long hair and wear leather jackets and have pink floyd t-shirt yeah when I first moved to Ontario, uh, at least at, um, I went to Schmong Public School yep. when we first, for like six months before I went into high school. Um, but like, it was not cool. 
and you know you're a long-haired hippie and you're a piece of shit and like all this like you listen to old people music and all yeah. this stuff was like what what why it's like no you need to be this person and it's like that it seems like that those trenches luckily now are really starting to erode yeah which is, nice. which is amazing like, yeah like you can the, kind of it's cool to be a nerd now yeah which is amazing like i used to hide the fact that i read comic books and that i watched anime and that, like all that kind of stuff that i would be like secretively like oh i hope nobody knows how much i love spider-man you know and now like it's they're the most popular movies on the planet. Yeah. You know, and it's so much easier to not have to, I guess, hide who you are, which is a really cool yeah. thing for, especially for kids coming up now. I mean, like for, for nerd culture to be, and like anything that you're into now is almost like, Oh, I'm a real fill in the blank nerd. And that gets celebrated. And that's so yeah cool and so nice. And, um, I mean, it's 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 unfortunate that people had to go through some shit yeah. to make that the like the new norm. But and celebrate yourself, like it's yeah. been. I think people are accepting more than we give them credit for too. Like I had so many insecurities growing up, but I think a lot of it was on me. Like, um, so I just started dating a woman like a year and a half ago, and I was scared shitless to be like an Ennis Moore be like tell my aunts and uncles and my cousins sure. and my family but everyone has been so supportive and amazing and like you know it's been like trying to explain to my mom that like okay there's, it's not just white and black she's like I don't get it you've always liked men I'm like I still like men mom but like this is this you know is there's there lots too. of different spectrums and yeah. I'm in love with this this person and like my family and friends and even people I like called up from high school they're like oh my god that's amazing I'm so happy for you that's and like awesome. it's a shock like to see how people react so positively yeah like my insecurities weren't you weren't know other people's yeah weren't and... they're just like we're just happy that you're happy so it's yeah. amazing that like this society in this day and age like I can love who I want and like in high school maybe I would have like fell in love with like woman but I was scared and I was shut down and I was like insecure so I was like I'm gonna do what's what's norm and what's expected of me and I'll just like sure yeah yeah well that I that's great and I'm 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 glad that you're happy and you're having a good time no it's awesome yeah this is yeah the happiest I've been in a relationship so it's great and right that on. Well, comes congratulations thank dude. you that's awesome there's, <laughs> there's nothing like having a really strong partnership at home it's the yep. best and it, it is the comes, best thing yeah music everything you know and in, in life it, it just frees you up for so many more possibilities when you yeah you have that so yeah sure does yeah that's awesome fucking a congratulations and be yourself yeah absolutely well right um, all those kids out there <laughs> just you keep being yourself I'm really glad that <laughs> you were able to, even though it took, you know, maybe a little bit longer than you had initially hoped, like in high school or whatever. I'm glad you were able to say, fuck it. I'm just going to be me. Yeah. Because now you are. Yeah. That's so good. And, and you're doing cool shit. Cool because shit. Of it. So way to go. Yeah. You be you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everybody <laughs> just be them. Um, 
Darker Than Your Dark is coming out in March. In March. Yeah, and there's going to be, yeah, some things that will trickle up to the release. So now I can really nice. get that, you know, that build up and that momentum going with a couple um, releasing the video for a thousand pieces. <laughs> we had a thousand That's pieces wicked. challenge actually for a little bit. My twin sister started it. So what was that? Can, it's just uh, lip singing the song. Oh, cool. And she is just a total jackass sometimes. So she's like jumping around on the couch. And then my partner and her like 15 like gal friends, they got together and they lip synced it like on a, on a street. And then my nieces like are on board. So it's like, I think I'm going to have to like put another video together of like just people lip singing. It's pretty cool. That's wicked. But yeah, it's funny. Nice. So I challenge you. Okay. Yeah. Thousand Pieces Challenge. All right. I'll okay. do it. Do Sweet. I Do I put it up on YouTube? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Send it to me and then I'm going to like compile them. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll do it. Um, do you have a lyric sheet? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. I have to send those out get this challenge going but yeah Yeah. just getting trying to get the momentum and people excited for for the music and yeah back into that world right on cool i'm i'm really excited to hear it because i love your stuff so i'm I'm looking forward to hearing the new stuff okay well yeah and some bass gigs coming your way yeah oh (laughs) if you're not booked for tours with emily we won't steal you away from that but yeah there's always good jams and right on yeah when it, uh wherever there's downtime I'm, okay I'm, I'm into it sweet cool uh we'll have we can now we know how to yeah like, now we know how to use our phones use, use phones and calendars and technology hey google <laughs> science <laughs> that's what i'm doing every day on my phone hey google uh, give me directions to a and w yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i do like their teen burger have I you like tried the their Beyond? Beyond Meat, so good. Is it? I haven't tried it yet. I feel like I should go there today. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> why do you feel guilty about it? I don't as much because, like, it's Beyond the Meat, so <laughs> it's it's pretty good for me, and it, they're doing like good recyclable and composting yeah. work. So there you go. <laughs> go in W. Yeah. Maybe it's... they'll sponsor my record. Hey, imagine. Wouldn't that be sweet? You just have like. Beyond Burger banners yeah. everywhere. Really, Beyond, really selling the yeah. chickpeas. A no pain burger. Yeah. The, ah, and they they could spell it, like yeah, like your your name. Yeah, I'm thinking of some merch ideas. Like <laughs> no pain, no gain. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and no. Benny Raff and Evangeline Gentle and Dave Taff actually played a show one time. It was like tough, rough, gentle pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good it was pretty sweet that's a great sweet gig night that's a great name for a show yeah it's a great name for we a gotta show. get that going yeah that's fantastic yeah right on uh do you wanna do you wanna jam let's jam cool do you mind if we like shut down for a couple seconds because i i need the bathroom yeah for sure and i gotta okay. get my fiddle out so. okay cool we'll get tuned up and we'll be back with some music all right So we're going to do a thousand pieces, and I'm going to try to not fuck up the bass line. You're going to hold it down, because you probably know it already better than I. Well, I've been fighting in a thousand dreams, waking bloody with a silent scream, and I 
I know you've got a really cool, or you, you were doing anyway, I don't know if you're still doing it, but there's this really awesome instrumental uh, thing you were doing on the fiddle for a little while. It was a, I think it was a Celtic thing. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I like was proud of playing the, the jigs. It would be like a waltz jig and reel. Cool. Maybe I'll just do like a bit of each. Yeah, that waltz would be. Waltz jig and reel. That would be rad. <laughs> Okay, this is the waltz. So this is like what I would like show up and do at like my little fiddle concerts when I was like 10. Right on. And one time there was like this big trophy and everyone was getting trophies for first place. But then my age category, for some reason they didn't get trophies and I only got like, they're like, and here's a shiny loony. And I can remember like out loud being like, what? <laughs> they cheated you. How, they cheated how me. ruthless, just for your age category. Yeah, I got a loony. I was, I was my, uh, I wanted that me. trophy. <laughs> okay, this one's called Teenager's Walls.
And now Jake. Nice. I don't know what this one's called. I have the shakes. I gotta eat something, not just oh, drink no. coffee. Okay, shaky bow and all. This one Natalie taught me, and then I think I lost recording, so now I just kind of have like my own weird memory version of it. So here we go. to the classic St. Anne's reel. this morning oh man that's <laughs> great um where can people find you on the social medias they can find me at melissa Payne music on instagram that's like always my go-to or you can find me on the facebook or melissa dash i think it's a dash melissa minus mark pain <laughs> dot ca is that a dash Cool. Uh, all those will be in the description box of the video and uh, or wherever you're listening to this. If you're just doing the audio, there will be a description box for that as well. So you'll be able to find links to everything that Melissa is up to in there. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, and for that sure. Was great. Thanks I'm, for having me. Oh, dude, anytime. This podcast anytime. is going to blow up the world. Yeah, well, now that you've been on it, people will start listening. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, oh. I will post to all of my 48 first cousins. So oh, well. He got some new listeners there. That's, that's fantastic. Sure. <laughs> thank, uh, again, thank you so much for being here and for doing this. And for uh, just every any time you've ever asked me to play, I've always had a real ride. It's working the best. With you. It's no, a, you're a great player. Oh, and, well, yeah, shucks. This is awesome. It's, uh, it's just a ton of fun getting to know people like yourself and, and the other great players in the area. Well, it's, thank it's a you. real treat to be here. Thanks in Peterborough. So. Let me babble on. Oh, dude, it's great. Anytime <laughs> you want to come back, too, just let me know. All right, and we'll cool. do it again. And yeah, we'll, we'll jam some, on some new tunes, too. Some guests, too. Yeah, that yeah. would be fantastic. And yeah. yeah, anybody you want to bring with you, um, provided I have enough microphones. Otherwise, people have to get real snugly. Yeah. <laughs> Which, on. that's cool, too. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Melissa Payne, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Justin.